0: You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK.
1: Welcome to another episode of Cam's Talk. Today I'm joined by some service users and a trainee clinical psychologist. We'll be discussing mental health in the media and how it is represented. It's such an interesting and important discussion because it really does affect the way in which we perceive mental health and what we watch and see in media can be absorbed and it can really affect how you view your own mental health and mental wellbeing. Uh, but before we get started, I just ever want everyone to introduce themselves. So we will start
2: with Quinn.
3: Hi, I'm Quinn and I'm a CAM service user.
2: Hi, I'm Molly, I'm 18 and I'm an ex-service
4: user. Hi, I'm Kieran. I'm currently a trainee clinical psychologist. Um, yeah, glad to be
1: here. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much um, everyone for joining me and um, yeah I guess the first question I really want to ask to each one of you how do you feel mental health is represented in the media um Kieran if it's okay can I start with you and maybe you have like a male perspective you can tell us about how you feel men's mental health is represented in the media
4: yeah so I'll try and, I think it's two parts in there so I'll try and answer both parts if I can um so that I think the first part was about how mental health is uh, represented in the media. Um, I guess I could give a little bit of a, um, a historical perspective. I'm not quite that old yet, but I think I can go back a few years to when I was younger. <clears throat> and I think uh, the, most of the information I got about mental health was through the media. So through films, through TV shows. Um, or maybe later in my childhood um, and adolescence through social media but I would say um, early on lots of those depictions uh, the, the depictions I was exposed to at least were quite, uh, were quite stereotyped um, and that's perhaps not surprising um, because um, I guess some of the behaviours and some of the things I might see were things that you might actually see in, in people who are um, finding life difficult, to have mental health difficulties, um, and I guess it was a, a caricature of those things, and making them a lot more obvious um, for for audiences early on. But I think maybe what it led to was a bit of a, a bit of a misrepresentation, potentially, um, and I think uh, some of that misrepresentation has probably remained. Um, but I think there's also been uh, a lot of a lot of moves to try and change some of that misrepresentation um, and to make the depictions that we see in the media um, more representative of, of, of real life, I guess, of real mental health difficulties. Um, and then I guess the last thing about uh, men's mental health, I think um, and perhaps I don't know how other people think, uh, what others think of this like Molly and Quinn but um, for me it was largely absent actually um, it was mainly I think uh, mainly women and, and I guess we maybe wonder why that is the depictions were of women um, I think maybe the depictions of men that I can remember were kind of uh, the nutty professor or kind of your your maverick scientist type there was maybe had their difficulties but perhaps creative um, of course there's lots of male aggression which you could uh, argue is um uh, something to do with mental health of course um but yeah largely largely absent from my experience is growing up um and even even more recently i think is kind of perhaps absent
0: yeah
1: yeah i think um, along with the stereotypes that you've mentioned maybe one stereotype is men are quite portrayed as tough and don't have issues with their mental health um and media really does stick with that stereotype a lot so it does make it hard to have that representation in media um what about you molly and quinn How, how do you feel um mental health is represented in the media well
3: I think that it brings the point of the crisis of masculinity, which is something I learned in sociology, but it is true that there are very strong gender roles and gender stereotypes and that I think the gender stereotype that men need to be emotionless in order to be manly is still prevalent in today's society. It is seen that women should be more soft, more emotional, should be more understanding and empathetic, and that's still the case to this day. And with mental health having more of a presence in social media and with more education being brought around on it, people are being more supportive, but you tend to only see women being activists or spreading awareness. And that tends to lead into the fact that uh, activism is linked to feminism. Like men don't want to join in the feminism movement because of confusing that with not being masculine, but That's a different thing. Um, With crisis of masculinity, people are tending to see a more feminine side of masculinity or like, for example, in fashion, people like Harry Styles wearing dresses and men painting their nails black. People are liking a different side to masculinity, but the gender stereotypes and roles are still very prevalent. So it seems that men don't have as much of a clear role to fit into in order to be accepted into society and that creates a crisis and since there's a lot of toxic masculinity and men wanting to look masculine and therefore being toxic to each other in order to upkeep that like reputation it becomes very confusing about what is described as masculine and it causes a lot of toxicity.
2: Yeah I agree with Quinn and also like Like most things, um, representation of mental health is getting slightly better now and we're seeing some sort of representation of like depression and anxiety symptoms, but it's mainly only like palatable symptoms and then things like bipolar and DID are getting more stigmatised from that. But then we also have shows like Normal People who are bringing representation of male mental health and showing characters going to therapy and working on themselves, which I think is really important.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. And um, both both Quinn and Molly made really important points, especially um, regarding men's mental health represented in the media. Uh, do you feel as though Women have better representation now um, for mental health in the media, or or, or is that still um,
3: lacking? I think that women do have more of an exposure in mental health being spread as awareness. Um, I think it really does clash with things like beauty standards and stuff like that, because although there is a lot of education on social media now about mental health problems it is mainly about the more popular or common I wouldn't say common because you don't know what's common but it's more about depression anxiety eating disorders and there's very much a lack of education on other things Uh, like Molly had said before bipolar and other mental health things like DID are very much stigmatized still And as much as there is information being spread about them, there is still a stigma or a view about it. Um, I think that although women are spreading more information about mental health, it is clashing with cancel culture and beauty standards. And people want to bring awareness to things like eating disorders, but then since it's such a sensitive topic, it's a bit difficult to talk about. The same with any mental health issue, and people are bringing their more personal experiences forward which is great but it does kind of make people more vulnerable especially the young people on social media. Lots
4: of interesting points going and mean, now uh, it'd be great to maybe dive into it like a, in, in a you know a bit more detail if we can but um, yeah I guess the thing I wanted to ask was that same question um DID I'm not here what, what is that New um,
3: I'm not quite sure if I'm educated enough to answer this question hopefully Molly can help me but DID stands for Dissociative Identity Disorder. It's when people experience quite severe trauma in childhood to the point where their personality cannot form so they have multiple different personalities and it's not like oh I'm a different person at night and day it's not like that kind of different personality like I mean it's called a system there is obviously one body because it's one person but there is a system where there are different alters and those alters, you can think of them as the other personalities, but um, essentially people with DID may get triggered. It could be a good trigger or a bad trigger, but nonetheless, it is still a trigger. And that may cause an alter to front, like become the person who is expressing themselves in the body. And it could be multiple different personalities. It could be a child. As far as I've heard, it also could be an animal or just a different entity could be someone with a completely different accent or different memories and that's my education on DID but I'm not sure if Molly has anything to add to that
2: I think you covered it pretty well
1: now that you've mentioned that actually I I've, and with, we're talking about media I actually do remember watching the film that represented that um, I think it was called Split I don't know if anyone else has watched that Yeah okay if you've watched that um, in your opinion do you think that was a good representation or do you feel as though like an accurate representation or do you feel as though it was dramatized which a lot of TV shows and films do tend to do with
3: um, disorders and mental health issues? Well I've actually not seen the movie Split but where I got my information from my education on DID is from a YouTube channel. It is a channel dedicated to someone's experience with DID and their system is on that channel, it's on YouTube. Um, I'll, try and find, I'll try and remember the name if I can, but that's where I got most of my information from, which is where I understood things about the alters and meeting their altars and all of that. And I think that's a very reliable source of information for DID because it is coming from a personal experience and the whole channel is dedicated to information on that. With that being said, The movie Split has been mentioned before. I've seen it before because of my intake of education on DID. It has been brought up before and I don't know too much about it in detail because I have not watched the movie. But as far as I'm aware, it does seem to have a little bit of a traumatized expression of multiple personality disorders because really in social media, any mental health, diagnosis is quite exaggerated in media, and it's very difficult to show the everyday difficulty of mental health issues, but it does end up creating a lot of stigma. Um, As far as I'm aware, the movie Split created a lot of stigma for DID because it makes people think that DID are crazy or dangerous, which is not the case. Um, they are still people just someone just, just people who have been diagnosed with a mental disorder from their trauma so it's kind of dehumanizing to those people with DID and the stigma is very stigma around mental health in general is very dehumanizing for anyone with mental health issues but at the same time in social media there is a lot of mental health is being glamorized and normalized but not In a good way. I'm not quite sure how to explain that, but that's what my opinion is on split.
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned that because while on one side we have a lot of the dramatized versions that can be quite unhealthy and do mental health in a negative light, you've got um, you know YouTube channels and personal experiences that can be shared um, through social media and. be quite educational and accurate and a good way to learn as well so you've got that kind of almost balance molly did you have any uh, anything to say regarding maybe uh, dod or the dramatization in, in media
2: yeah well i think like the media needs the drama and relies on the drama to engage people and so they 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 do use all the extremities of the disorders which then stigmatize and doesn't show the reality of living with a disorder which then gives people the impression that people can't live successfully if they're diagnosed with mental health disorders um
3: i just remembered what the youtube channel is now it's called dissociated um it's run by a person who experiences dissociative identity disorder. And they essentially do videos such as meeting my alters, explaining things about when alters merge and explaining their personal experiences with DID, reacting to things about DID that have shown like misrepresentations on social media. And I think it's a very good place for education on DID if you're ever interested. Thank you for sharing that as well. I guess I wanted to ask how do
1: you think that casting in media then affects um, our mental health and the way that we perceive ourselves because I think casting can be really important in showing the diversity um, of mental health as well as representing different types of people and the severity of different cases so yeah how do you how do you feel casting affects that?
3: With casting it can be very difficult because a lot of things with casting is to do with representation it's very important to have representation in film that's a big thing in any media that you portray a lot of the time it's surrounded with things like um, race or ethnicity or something else surrounding with people's identity but I think mental health is quite a big one because this isn't mental health I think it's Neurodivergent, if I'm using the correct word, but I believe Sia, the artist, made a movie surrounding autism, and the person who was cast as the main actor did not have autism. And I really don't know too much about that because all I got were Instagram posts hating it (laughs) because I didn't have much, so I didn't have much information on it. But as far as I'm aware, people would not be happy with seeing someone cast as representing something that they they, that they have not experienced people in social media do not want people to be cast if they cannot represent what that character is representing if they haven't experienced it because mental health and other things like Tourette's autism ADHD like mental health stuff and things to do with the mind or it's really hard to represent something that you have not experienced And that's especially true with mental health things. You cannot really, truly, deeply understand the struggles of a mental health until you've experienced it. You can understand by listening to people and empathizing with their stories, but it's a different thing experiencing it yourself. And I think people find that really important when it comes to casting people in movies. Thank you, Gwen, for sharing that.
1: That's a really important um, point that you just brought up there someone who hasn't experienced something representing their experience is not going to be an accurate representation and there are many many people that are very capable to do those jobs but those opportunities are really closed um, for people with mental health issues and um, neurodivergency. so it's really really important that you brought that up and I think maybe Kieran um, if you wanted to talk about from your experience from there trainee clinical psychologist experience of um, expanding on what Quinn said and your experience as well?
4: Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, thanks, Quinn. I don't think I'll put anything as uh, elegantly as Quinn has already, uh, you know, already, to be honest. But yeah, I think this idea of this debate, I guess, around casting kind of feels like it's a debate at the moment. It's, very, uh, it's a very interesting one to me. Um, of course, being a training clinical psychologist, anything to do with people discussing mental health and their, their mental well-being and, um, and the impact uh, that certain things have on mental health and mental well-being. One of those things perhaps being cast at the moment uh, is interesting. So I guess the first point I make um, in prep for this podcast is just doing a little bit of research. And um, uh, I came out, I stumbled across a, a survey, a 2021 survey, I think it was carried out by a media agency called U.M., so... I think I think maybe they were doing it in conjunction with uh, Calm. So, you know, people viewed of Calm, the Campaign Against Living mis- uh, Miserably. Um, they do... Uh, they fo- they focus a lot, actually, on, on, on male mental health. Um, and then I think it was also in conjunction with um, social... Uh, male focus social publisher, Joe. So, Joe Media do a lot. And it's kind of their audience is mainly male and young men. What they found... Uh, so, they kind of lost 2,000 UK okay, adults... Um, is that younger men at the moment find it hard to uh, connect with kind of traditional male stereotypes, such as always being strong or a lad. Um, So kind of half, about about 46% of people under the age of 35 see those uh, things as uh, detrimental and dangerous. Um, And there was also kind of stereotypes about men aged between 18 and 34 that um, the more sexually find offensive so being perceived as like a player or being mean to women and also kind of um, negative kind of sexual connotations as well. Um but I think so so those were some findings. I think for this what we're talking about right now in terms of casting I think the more um the more interesting finding was that um oh, we know already the men seek help at a much lower rate um compared to women and then the from this study also some other studies um have been suggesting that campaigns that kind of include include men that people are people that others can easily identify with um others show kind of an optimistic focus on recovery um are much more uh, successful in getting people to seek help actually so i think that ties into the custom then um, so if, if we're seeing people that we can't identify with, I guess the depiction is maybe positive or kind of recovery-driven. Then that can actually have a positive outcome on recovery. I thought that was quite uh, was quite hopeful. Um, so that was one thing. And I just wanted to say another thing as well about the the castings. I think it's a really it's a really difficult debate, and I know like many things at the moment is perhaps one of those debates is quite. It's got the potential to be polarized, as everything has. But I just wanted to kind of add maybe a slightly different point or maybe it's like bringing a maybe slightly different perspective on it, is that we talk- we, we're talking we we talking about we are talking about acting so we're talking about people trying to um present something and uh, they've not experienced and I guess that that's what actors uh, do all the time it's kind of a part of their job is to try and and um, kind of portray roles and um, so most of the roles that i imagine that they are and almost the things that they're trying to get across the things that they've never experienced um so i guess how how far do we yeah how far do we go with that then um i think it's really the really important points um that need to be considered um and you know if we're if we're going to portray something um, and it's having a big impact on people uh, in terms of their mental health, then we definitely need to be thoughtful about it, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Kieran. And also, yeah, all the research that you've shared, it covered quite a few different, um, like, very forward topics, which is really good because then, yeah, like you said, this, this, it gives you hope that there is a lot of research being carried out to kind of understand a bit more about um, how mental health um, is represented in the media, as well as how it can affect one's identity as well, in a positive way. And I guess, yeah, now that we've mentioned a bit about identity,
0: I don't know if anyone
1: wants to talk a little bit about how mental health um, in the media can affect how they view their own identity.
3: A point I'd like to make is probably something about jokes that are made on social media. And I think that's part of my own personal identity, because I tend to joke as well with some of my friends. But it really brings about the question, like, is it used to fit in or is it used to cope? Because with my friends, I've established with them that it's all right to joke about it, because I only joke with those friends about it because I know that they won't take it as me invalidating their feelings or me feeling like I need to fit in like we have communicated that but if you see on social media a lot of people make memes or jokes about their mental health and as much as it is fun to have a coping mechanism and to know that you're not alone which is what it's like for me and my friends when we joke it does create the kind of silhouette for something that a young person needs to fit into and that brings up another problem which is people Young people may get confused about the information that is being spread online because, as much as it is good to have information easily accessible to people online, and as much as it has helped to bring awareness to mental health, there can be a lot of misinformation because personal experience is being mixed with factual things. And you can never really fully rely on social media because people don't really link their resources. Um, but since there are a lot, of young people on social media, social media creates most of what young people need to fit into. Young people tend to want to fit into a certain group or want to look popular or seem likable and relatable to everyone. And I think a lot of people don't notice that, even young people don't notice that, but because mental health is being more spread around like awareness is being more spread on mental health young people are seeing that more and more often and since so many people have depression which is understandable people have always had depression it just wasn't widely accepted socially it's become a kind of thing that people young people may possibly try to not necessarily lie about but you know self diagnose in order to validate their own feeling or feel a part of the group and that's a bit difficult because jokes can sometimes go too far and you can never tell if it's coping or trying to fit in or both.
2: Yeah I agree with Quinn. I think mental health in the media has made me question my own mental health because I'm seeing things that I struggle with portrayed in different ways and I'm comparing that to myself it makes me question whether i actually am struggling and then there's the such competitive nature of mental health and in social media i'm comparing myself and there's always someone else more um, struggling than me or someone else more worthy of help and that makes me question what am i doing
3: i definitely agree with molly about there being such a competitive nature with mental health because people are being more and more open about their personal problems, which is a whole different problem. But people tend to share their traumas online and be way more open, which makes them a lot more vulnerable. But sharing opinions online and personal experiences, although it can be good to an extent, sometimes it does become quite competitive in that in people's attempt to validate their own emotions, they may invalidate other people's emotions. And by sharing their own personal experiences, as much as it may make someone feel as though I feel heard, I've also experienced this, I'm not alone, it can also make other people feel like, oh, theirs is so much worse than mine. And therefore, like, for example, the stigma around what, the word trauma. Trauma is seen as this very brutal kind of thing. And it is, but again, it's dramatized. It's dramatized in social media.
4: I think I can perhaps uh, try and complement what people are currently saying because so I think again, like really, really great points being made. Um, so uh, I, I, again, just kind of going, trying to bring, if you like, some of the things I trained in, like research. You know, kind of trying to bring those skills and make use of it for it to be use of this discussion today. Um, Came across a, a bit of a review uh, of the literature, if you like, a so review of research uh, that's, that's been done uh, looking at the impact of social media use on, uh, on young people, not less than some of their mental health. And it kind of, you know, it talks about some of the positives because there, there can be some real positives. Um, but I think there's a, there's a particular bias, isn't there, often with these discussions to look at the negatives um, because I guess the uh, the consequences can can be. Pretty dire for people. But what he was looking at is uh, one of the risk factors. So if a young person finds um, themselves someone who compares themselves socially to people a lot of the time uh, which when, when we when we're moving through certain ages that happens more and more especially as we've come a, a, a kind of past the age of, of you know 11 12 13 it really intensifies and it can continue to intensify I think as, as we grow you know up until the age of 18 19 if you like and beyond that um, and I think um, social media is a place where people are often, portraying, I think it's fair to say, the representation, a kind of image of themselves uh, that they want the world to see, you know, as kind of often. Um, and it might not always be the most realistic uh, depiction of what their life is actually like. So, yeah, what they find is that people who tend to compare themselves socially to others, um, that's kind of a risk factor for uh yeah, kind of social media use and accessing specific certain types of media can lead to difficulties with the mental health.
1: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, and this is really interesting to see, I guess, scientific findings that confirm what you already see a lot happening in social media as well, um, in terms of like comparing yourself and how that can affect you negatively as well. Um, And I think Molly and Quinn actually mentioned something important as well earlier regarding the misdiagnosis that can happen quite often when you see mental health represented incorrectly or inaccurately on social media as well. And it made me think of this video I saw um, of this therapist who was just listing a bunch of symptoms and claiming that if you can relate to those symptoms then you have depression and I'm sure Kieran can confirm many of you, Molly, Coyne, you both confirm that that is not the case Um, and getting a diagnosis of depression is not as simplistic as just fitting in to a criteria of symptoms Um, and there's a lot more that goes into getting that diagnosis and it can be quite unhealthy misdiagnosing yourself. Um, I think Molly you mentioned about self-diagnosis on on social media because yeah you can misdiagnose yourself and it can have an unhealthy repercussion as a result of you know not you you might have another diagnosis that you might be missing because you feel as though this is what you have so yeah I don't know if uh, in your personal experience Molly and Quinn and Kieran from your experience as well how harmful you feel it is um, when therapists uh, I'll say therapists in quote marks because a lot of the times you find that uh, they are not qualified to be diagnosing especially online so yeah in your experience how how do you feel that affects people that take in that information and, and how it affects their mental health as well
3: I think the fact that people use the label therapist makes people believe that they are a qualified source of information which is not to invalidate their qualifications but people should not be diagnosing themselves because it really should be up to a professional. And you are right about that. Diagnosing a mental health condition is not as easy as just fitting into a criteria of symptoms. Because symptoms can totally be related to so many other mental health conditions or diagnoses. It's not just one thing. Like, for example, tics, they can definitely be related to Tourette's. But there are other mental health symptoms for other mental health disorders that include ticks that aren't torrents. And it's just really difficult to diagnose yourself because mental health is such a broad topic that you can't just educate yourself on the spot because it's a lot of information to intake. And that's why you should leave it to the professionals, because, for example, symptoms of depression, I don't want to make it sound less extreme and difficult as it actually is but a lot of the symptoms of depression that you see put online are things like being in a low mood struggling to eat not wanting to hang out with friends like things like that and as as much as they are true and as much as I've experienced those things and understood that it is to do with my depression it can still be very much confused with things that are just oh maybe they're just introverted or maybe they're just maybe it's a different mental health condition and it's really difficult to diagnose yourself because it is both validating and invalidating depending on the misdiagnosing of yourself. I'm not sure if I've worded that correctly, but that's my opinion on it.
4: Yeah. I think I, you know, what's, what's interesting to me, what what I'm curious about um, is I guess what, you know, We've got it. Sounds like this is something that happens, so I'm a little, I'm going to admit, I'm a little bit out of touch and don't use social media too much anymore. But, um, when I talk to people that do, this is something that's been brought up, um, people uh like certain social media influencers or might call themselves therapists or might call themselves something else talk about uh mental health issues and i think it sounds like there's some really good ones out there um which i don't have any i don't have any names of right now i'm really sorry i can't sign most people towards but it also sounds like there's there's some that may be less helpful um Uh, but I you know what's what's interesting to me is why the why young people not just young people I think people across generally speaking people across the board why they're feeling a need to um, self-diagnose you know what's driving that Um, and also another thing about diagnosis so I know it can be it can be massively confusing not again not just as a younger person but someone you know me now almost in my 30s uh, trying to navigate any kind of debate online there's so much conflict and in information and um, it's really confusing place but in terms of diagnosis diagnosis um, so before I continue I'm not a psychiatrist I need to say that I'm just a, I'm a trainee clinical psychologist so I'm not an authority figure on diagnosis but diagnosis itself isn't um, you might find that people have a lot of different diagnoses as, as they move through services and it can chop and change. And I, I, I wonder if if more, can have experienced some of that as well and what it's like to experience that. Um, so there's something quite for diagnosis to work. In my opinion, I think it needs to be very individual. Uh, it needs to be individualised. And I think when people are maybe uh, consuming information if, uh, on social media, um, and maybe also in more traditional forms of media about, diagnoses um then it's missing that individualized element of it it's missing a conversation with someone who who's trained in these things who who, who's uh who are really knowledgeable
0: i
2: think accessing mental health care is still quite a privilege and so young people tend to um seek support online because it's free and and it can be um anonymous as well so then they find all this information and they become overwhelmed and they don't know what to do with it. And then some advice is unhelpful and they don't get the support they need and that just accelerates their mental health as well.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point that you've made. It's, you know, we we might get tied in with the thinking that mental health is really very individualistic and not generalized and when it is generalized, in social media, it it leads to misdiagnosis. And I I think Quinn and Kieran brought up that point where, you know, a a low mood, those symptoms can apply to different diagnoses. And they can also just mean, you know, there can be a difference between feeling depressed and having depression. So um, that is a good point to highlight, but in the same sense, Molly, you you really bring up a good point where that access to have pre-mental health care, the access to have it um, where you feel as though it's something that you don't have to kind of be signposted to or or, um, just easily accessed online as well. Um, Maybe it brings up a good point to maybe have better access online for young people that is anonymous, that is also free and easy to do maybe on like a social media app. But yeah, really, really good point because I think that is something like a gap that we that we might be missing with young people and that's what leads them to get the information online that might not always be so accurate. And Quinn, I remember you mentioning something about cancel culture um, a bit earlier in the discussion. I wonder if you wanted to discuss um, a little more about that and just expand on that.
3: Well, cancel culture has been very prevalent in social media very recently in the past few years especially with a pandemic since more people are on social media but um cancel culture at first when it was introduced I guess it's always been around but when it became more popular it was seen as a good thing because it was to hold people accountable for their actions but it very quickly became seen as a toxic thing because cancel culture instead of being seen as you did something wrong be accountable for it and then change it was more like you did something wrong we're never gonna like you again we're always gonna remember this outcast you but the problem with that is that in relation to mental health a lot of the things that people see as wrong they don't tend to think about other reasons for the behavior they don't tend to listen and that is the problem with cancel culture the thing is, with people doing things that social media does not like and that social media would cancel you for, sometimes the reason behind it is related to mental health or a mental health conditional diagnosis. And although it is, although those symptoms or that diagnosis is definitely a valid reason, it does not mean it is a justification. But simultaneously, you can't ignore the fact that it is part of a reason, an important one, one that you can't really ignore because, again, it is valid. But then it brings the point of if someone with a mental health condition does something wrong, are they then representing the rest of the people with that mental health condition? And that's a pretty difficult thing because it just builds stigma around those mental health conditions and those symptoms. And one example that I thought of earlier was Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And obviously that's become a really big thing recently about like domestic abuse and how domestic violence does not have a gender and that topic but part of it is because i'm not fully sure about this because I'm, i haven't well social media is very unreliable with information as i said um but i've heard rumors or articles written about amber heard about her possibly having a mental health disorder and the first words the first disorder that people tend to mention is borderline personality or bipolar. And the fact that people immediately, I'm not sure if it's it's an assumption, but it seems like it, the fact that people immediately assume that it's that disorder, it creates a lot of stigma because not everyone bipolar or with borderline personality is abusive or like they may not be the same as Amber Heard. And it's being turned into a a bad, negative representation of those diagnosis of those uh mental health conditions that are being attached to a person that is that has been cancelled by cancer culture.
4: Thanks so much for elaborating on that because yeah when you mentioned it earlier I was really wanting to hear more from you on it and um I think you raised some really uh, you, you raised some points that are maybe not easy to raise, actually, you know, not always easy to talk about. So yeah, thank you for doing that. Um, I, I guess... Uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit. Maybe a little bit from a personal experience. I, it's really hard for me to like to um, divide the uh, professional and personal side of things. They kind of almost become a little bit enmeshed. But I'll try and do it from a personal perspective and like a human perspective. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Quinn. I think council culture came about, didn't it, originally to try and hold people accountable and to try and change things. And I think it was it wasn't probably wasn't called council culture at the time. I think it was coined that later, right? And um, so maybe something that the uh, the people interested in social justice kind of took on board and thought uh, it was a useful tool. Um, of course, holding people accountable is, is very useful and something that definitely needs to happen. But I think, and but I think maybe what's happening now online, perhaps with cancel culture, is more of a reflection of the the social media sites themselves. Um, perhaps the way they encourage. Um, a kind of uh, angry debates uh, and really um, divisive debates almost kind of just you know algorithms bring into the surface the more kind of extreme versions of of anything um, and then it kind of lead into this thing about people not really listening to each other um, and really being quite unkind to one another from both sides of a debate and that leaves from a personal perspective, that leaves me really upset, deeply upset, actually. Um, and it, it's quite, yeah, it's not it's not nice, I don't think. And, uh, and again, I'm someone who's, you know, going towards my 30s. I'm not, I'm really fortunate that I didn't have to experience those kind of things growing up as a young person. I wonder what impact it has on young people being a part of those really divisive debates and then maybe perhaps being worried about, Um, not being able to say certain things or not being able to respond to certain questions and and engage in debate when you've got this fear of what might happen when you do say something maybe this a little bit out of line or make a mistake just as we all do because we're human right um so yeah i i do worry about the impact that i have on the mental health of young people
3: um i really agree with your point about people being quite aggressive with their point of view sometimes there is a term that has come about i'm not sure how popular it's become but it's called sjw and that it stands for social justice warrior and people have drawn a line between the difference of social activists and social justice warriors because social activists will see something like oh that building doesn't have a ramp for wheelchair users let's build a ramp Whereas social justice warriors will be quite aggressive and be like, oh my God, they are not inclusive. That's rude. You should chop off your legs. I'm gonna chop off my legs. Like they get very extreme with their opinions. And I think that's the problem with merging, with the confusion between merging your personal experience compared to factual facts about mental health is that people end up um, people end up coming to a very defensive point. Because their personal views are very intertwined with the mental health debate. Mm-hmm. And because of that, people get quite aggressive by the points. So instead of being patient and being mm-hmm. open to listening to people, then they tend to get very defensive because it's, it's difficult to speak out with mental health now or really anything on social media because there is such social media is huge. You don't know what kind of response you're going to get. And especially if it leads to popularity, because the more people know, the more differing opinions you're going to get. But um I was thinking of another point um that Molly had made. I'm not sure if she's already said it, but something about how gender identity and mental illness are assumed to go hand in hand. If you'd like to expand on that, because I was just thinking about the movie Encanto.
2: Yeah, I think in media people who struggle with their gender identity or sexuality are often assumed to have mental illness. And then that's like obviously really harmful because that's not the case and you're putting together
3: two things that are completely separate. What I was going to mention about Encanto is that it's not so much as gender identity it's more for me sexuality but I guess those also are related. With movies like Encanto people are starting to push their ideas onto characters when it's not exactly relevant. The whole point of the movie Encanto is relating to the topic of generational trauma that is the whole point of the movie but now people are putting labels on the characters that oh Dolores or Camilo is so bisexual or they're so this or that and it may be very confusing to people because people are now outlining certain ways to behave or act as someone with that sexual identity like sexuality as their identity and because of that it's becoming very confusing for not even just young people, for everyone who is questioning their identity or their gender, because instead of seeing it as this is my personal opinion, I want to find out who I am attracted to or what gender I identify with, instead of it becoming a personal thing, which it really is, it's becoming an, how do I have to act? Like how am I acting and how does that relate to my sexuality or gender identity? And it's becoming very confusing for people
1: so yeah, I guess the overlining theme here is that there is limited representation, so it's quite easy to stigmatize and see the negative side of a mental health condition. And um, as you mentioned, with really the cancel culture, I guess society is becoming a bit more unforgiving with uh, withholding people responsible. It's, it's more so less to do with accountability now and more to do with holding people to impossible standards standards that we might not be able to uphold ourselves but it's really easy to do that online um to kind of judge from a distance and not be as forgiving as we would be to ourselves so yeah that yeah that limited representation can lead to a lot of stigmatization but I wonder Molly if you have any examples or from your personal experience if there's any positive representation in media that you think helps break down that stigma of uh, of mental health in a negative light?
2: Yeah, I think it's changing now. And I think the media is starting to listen to young people, especially that we we crave the representation and, and a more diverse representation. I think things like um, Normal People, Heartstopper, there's a lot of good books that have representation. And I think books are really good especially because it's not showing like a direct picture of this is that and this is how it's portrayed and you can sort of make it up in your mind and relate to it better and finding relatable characters I think personally was really helpful me accepting myself and asking for help because I saw the character knew that something was wrong so that I knew that something was wrong and that made me open up to people which I think is really helpful
1: yeah definitely like that's why people say representation really matters, um, because if you see yourself represented in media, it's almost like, like Kieran mentioned earlier, you get some hope um, that, you know, there are other people that feel the same way as you, that um, perceive themselves the same way as you. And it, it kind of also gives you a little bit of insight into the help that you can get and maybe a little bit of a push to maybe receive some help as well. Molly, you did mention Heartstopper and Normal People. I wonder if you can give maybe like a short synopsis of um, both shows or just one of the shows for some of the listeners that might not know exactly what that is.
2: Um, So in Normal People, we see um, Connell who is a man who struggles with like depression and anxiety and he goes to therapy and he works on himself and seeing that recovery, I think shows a lot sort of optimism as, and then Heartstopper, not so, like, so much in the show, but um, the comics that they come from. There is um, a young man who uh, has an eating disorder and self harms and it shows the representation that we don't get much of male eating disorders and body image and it shows him working on himself as well. And I think I think the overarching theme of recovery and optimism in mental health media at the moment is really helpful. Yeah, thank you for
1: mentioning those shows. And yeah, I can definitely second that. I would recommend watching both those shows. It definitely gives a more accurate representation of um, mental health, a broader one as well, when they include um, of the mental health issues that men can also experience that is not always highlighted in media
3: so yeah definitely give that a watch if you can i want to agree with molly that um there is a there is a big lack of body positivity for men because not only is feminism it's getting a bit confusing because people are mainly supporting women which is great because they are oppressed but there is still quite a lack of representation in the media for men in regards to anything really um there's a big lack of information for men's mental health as we spoke about but also a big lack of body positivity and that ties into what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast which was the crisis of masculinity where mm-hmm. they don't know how to fit in anymore because people are seeing there is still quite a stigma that men have to have abs and be tall and have a certain masculine appearance but now with fashion and body positivity people are saying that oh no we don't like masculine men we like men who don't have abs or like have a nice fashion sense and it's getting very confusing because there is still quite a lot of wanting manly men like stereotype of the gender roles but there's still a mix of that and that's why it's getting very confusing for them.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because it's a really important point um, to think about how, as you say, gender roles are always changing, um, how we perceive beauty standards um, are forever changing. And I guess the positive of that is there is no fixed beauty standard um, and it is all kind of based on how society feels at the time. And that forever changing nature um, almost gives you hope that actually, no, there's one thing that will remain the same is the way I feel about myself. And you might not always have the representation, but that can always change as well. And as Molly mentioned, now we're having more mental health representation in the media for men. Um, body positivity for men um, as well as women and that is quite hopeful and I'm so glad you shared that as well so while there is like the limited representation there is more representation coming in that can give a lot of accurate resources to young people that um, might find media hard to navigate very confusing with the changing standards with changing trends um so yeah i guess we have like a bit of a balance but definitely a lot of work that can be done to um represent a lot more people thank you so much kieran molly and quinn for sharing that and um, discussing mental health in the media with me um i'm sure we could have gone on for hours talking about uh, um, this and um, discussing more, but I wonder if you wanted to um, maybe say your final points or, in conclusion, what you'd like to share with the listeners.
3: I guess the points that I've made have been mostly quite <laughs> negative, but I do think that there are definitely pros and cons of mental health being represented in social media. I think that the awareness being spread is very good, but we would just people just need to be more careful and mindful of their intake and be aware of stigmas and proper education in order to get the help that they need. I think that it is a definitely good thing that mental health is being a lot more normalised, but there is always the con of it being too normalised. There are definitely pros and cons.
4: Yeah. Just say that um, it sounds like some of the, perhaps some of the positives of media and social media and what they can bring or and maybe what's been, what positives have been mentioned today seem to touch on hope, actually, something about hope um, from a professional perspective and a personal perspective, but especially from a professional expect- uh, perspective, Um Hope is something that's very interesting to me and it's something that um, I'm kind of having to c- hold on to a lot of the time and uh, hold on to it because of the young people I work with, not just the young people I work with but other people I work with But um, uh, and there's something about maybe seeing other people Online uh, and in the me- and, and in- through other forms of media, I know mainly talking about social media today because it's the main source of media that young people consume. And seeing people um, kind of overcome real difficulties, um, perhaps find meaning in adversity at times, um, and kind of yeah, really really change things for the better. Whilst well, also acknowledging that it's not a fairy tale, like right? you know, so it's still going to be hard. It's still going to be tough. I think there's a lot of potential there <laughs> um, that could be tapped into. But yeah, this, I think that's my, my probably my main take on point. And I think yeah, I love the idea of hope, and I think uh, we all need to hold on to that.
2: I think as young people become more active in society, things are changing and as everyone has said, there is more hope and to hang on to that and we will be represented.
1: Thank you so much Molly, Quinn and Karen um, for having that open and honest discussion um, with me and also sharing your personal experience. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Um, I hope this was a helpful discussion and something that you can relate to and um, maybe find, find it helpful in navigating your way um, to being represented in the media. Thank you once again. Take care of yourselves.
0: You've been listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford CAMS team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using camstalk, or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.